you know, in life, there is a significant difference between being smart and being wise. I think oftentimes we tend to get those a little confused in what we try to go after and what we try to achieve. You see, being smart is just having a bunch of information. It's having a bunch of knowledge. It's like living life like a Jeopardy contestant. You ever watch Jeopardy? I just wonder, how in the world do they have all those facts just stuffed in their brain? And a lot of it is, why do you even know that? Why do you need to know that? Probably to win a million bucks at Jeopardy. But we walk around life being smart, but smart is not our ultimate goal. Wisdom is the application of what we know. And you see, my friends, we are in an age of information, an age of information overload. From Siri to Google to Alexa, from all the know-it-alls on Facebook, we are bombarded with know-it-alls and people with all types of opinions. And we're just so overwhelmed with all this information, to be honest, navigating all the voices that are around us on our screens just overwhelm us. And it's one of the most significant challenges that we face today. How do we navigate all the voices? How do we navigate all the information that's just dumped on us every single day? Some of it's good, and quite honestly, a lot of it's not so good. And how do we navigate all this? Do you guys remember back in the year 2012, there was a State Farm commercial that became quite popular. The State Farm agent was on the street corner talking to this young lady about the State Farm app. And then in the course of it, this lady started to share all the stuff she knew that was kind of off the rockers, but she knew all this stuff. Why? Because she saw it on the internet. And she said, well, everything on the internet is true. And the State Farm agent was just kind of like, uh, you're a little crazy lady. And then she's like, I'm about to go on a date. I met this guy, let me guess, on the internet. Yeah, he's a French model. And this husky guy comes walking up. He goes, French model, I say. I see. And he goes, uh, bonjourno. <laughs> you guys remember that commercial? And then he walked off. And if you're like me, back in the year 2012, we all watched that commercial and said, that is absolutely absurd. That is absolutely ridiculous. You know, everything on the internet is not true. Come on, we all know this. But here we are 10 years later. Just 10 years later. And in many ways, we're living out this commercial. This commercial has become who we are. I mean, we're so bombarded with all this information on the internet. I hear it often. I mean, guys, you know what's going on around the world. I mean, it's all over YouTube. I mean, have you seen YouTube? Have you seen what's going on? Or I saw it on Reddit. Reddit has it. I mean, I I saw these people commenting on Reddit, so it has to be right, right? You can go across the board. And all of a sudden, we become a people, a nation, a society that's living out that commercial we made fun of in 2012. And I'm just as guilty as anybody else. How do we navigate all these voices? What is the barometer of truth? That's the challenge we face today, isn't it? I mean, truth has become dictated by what feels right to us. It's become what's dictated by whoever has the popular opinion or whoever screams the loudest or what seems to be most overloaded on Reddit or YouTube or other places. And truth has become what sounds good that matches our preconceived opinions. We've determined is 
truth. You know, to be honest, truth has become more of a ricochet off all the noise that we have in the world rather than an anchor that keeps us grounded. And that's the struggle we face, isn't it? We're all in this journey. How do we navigate this? I mean, that cannot be the ricochet of all the voices, cannot be the barometer of truth, because truth does not change. We see this reality, and it's proven in the laws of mathematics and physics and creation. You know, you have to follow certain laws and, and, and practices. Why? Because otherwise, the, it won't work. It won't be accurate. What is the barometer of truth? Those who are in aviation know the visual flight rules, VFR. Right? The visual flight rules as a pilot is knowing how much you can fly based upon how you can see the horizon and what's around you. And certain pilots are licensed to fly in certain VFR conditions, visual flight uh, conditions. And in order to fly beyond that, when it gets more foggy, when it gets more hazy, when storms come, they need to have higher levels of education and a higher level of experience and a higher level of training in order to use all of their tools and all of their equipment to fly through that because they cannot see. They need to now trust their technology. And in order to trust their technology, they need to acknowledge that there are certain things based upon the horizon that does not change. But what happens is when you're not trained in that as a pilot and you trust what you see versus what you see on your equipment, you quickly become disoriented. And over the course of history, many pilots have found themselves in significant trouble in the air. Why? Because they became disoriented because they trusted what they see rather than the technology, the equipment that said, hey, there are certain things that just do not change. And I fear, in some ways, we've gained so much information. We're so overloaded with information and voices that we try to live smart, but we're not living wise. And I think we feel that we can navigate this world based upon what I can see with my own eyes or what I can see with my own heart. And then what happens is we become spiritually and emotionally disoriented. And so many of us are walking through this world beat up, broken down, knocked around, spiritually and emotionally disoriented because we're trusting our heart and our eyes rather than a truth that is an anchor that does not change. So how do we navigate this? How do we navigate this? What information are you using in your foundation of life? You know, we tend to make life decisions based upon the information that immediately surrounds us. So who are you or what you're surrounding yourself with and how are you gathering your information and what are you using as a building block? You see, my friends, you need to understand some, some very fundamental realities that we, that we are natures of habit, creatures of habit. We are relational beings. That's how God created us, which means every choice, every relationship, every experience that you have in, have in your life is a building block in the foundation of who you are. 
And so every one of us can look back at our past and through our experiences, through our relationships, and through the choices we made and see how they have developed who we are today, how we respond to certain situations, how we view things, how we process what is going on in the environment we are currently in, often is developed based upon our foundation through our choices, relationships, and experiences. It's all a building block. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus wraps up the Sermon on the Mount talking about how are you developing your foundation? Are you developing it with sand or rocks? You see, our goal is not just to be smart. Our goal is not just to gain all the information that we possibly can. Because all we do is we gather information, but we don't know how to process it or how to live it out. Our goal is to walk in wisdom. And Jesus gave us what I would call the wisdom equation in Matthew 7. You see, Jesus said, hearing plus action equals wisdom. You want to walk in wisdom? You need to first take time to hear Then you need to process how do I live this out and how do I apply it in my life. And then you find wisdom. And Jesus says to be wise, you need to hear his words. What is he saying? What's he telling me to do? What are the principles he's applying to my life, not just back then, but today? And I believe as I read the scriptures, his truth speaks just as clearly and just as relevant today as it did 2,000 years ago. Because in our core of who we are, we're still people. We still process and operate the same way. The environments are different, but the core of who we are is still the same. And he says, don't just hear my words. Put them into practice. Live it out. See, it's one thing to come here to church and say, wow, that was a great message. Thank you very much. (laughs) It's another thing to sit down and read the Bible. And that's a wonderful and important thing to do. But we can't forget the next step. What do I need to apply to my life today? What in my life do I need to change? What in my life do I need to be encouraged by? What in my life do I need to live out? And put it into practice. This is important because we all face storms. And the conditions of the world will not always be clear. There will be hazy and foggy days. And the more we live out our life based upon our own smartness, the more we find ourselves living in spiritual and emotional disorientation. But the more we engage Jesus and put his biblical guidelines into practice, into my day-to-day life, the more we find strength and comfort and focus to navigate through the fog that is this world. Jesus went on to say in verses 25 to 27 in Matthew 7, he said, The rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. 
You know, Jesus highlighting the importance of what is the, what is the, the foundational tools and the qualities of our foundation. What are you using to build the foundation of who you are? The sin that he's talking about is the convenient and more available voices. It's the convenient and more available resources that we can find. It, what feels right, it seems natural, it seems normal. The rock takes more time and effort to get. It takes a little bit more focus and discipline. It's not as plentiful, plentiful but it's much more reliable. Because Jesus promises something very important that we cannot overlook. In our day and age, we think Jesus is, God, just give me the good life. Let everything be great. Let me have a great job. Let there no be illness in my family. Let there no be hardship in my home or around me. Because then we say, well, then Jesus is blessing me. And he does. But Jesus promises something. Storms will come. The waters will rise. We will face hardship. You know, when I, when I read this passage in Jesus' words about the house built on the sand and the house built on the rock, I can't help but read those, about those houses and think, hey, when the weather was good, I bet both houses were HGTV quality. They were amazing. They looked beautiful. The problem is not how well they looked when the, water, when the weather was good, the problem was how strong they were when the storms came. And we all can make ourselves look pretty good and trust in our own selves pretty well when life is good, when there are no storms. But we quickly learn the strength of our foundation when the storms come. And what happens? And I fear that we have a tendency to walk a little too confident in the good weather of life. And we think, well, because I, everything's going so good, I'm not facing any storms, I got this. I don't need to hang out with Jesus. I don't need to, I can miss a couple days. It's almost like when we go on a diet and we try to lose all this weight, and then we get to our goal, we think, well, now I'm good. Now I can go eat McDonald's, right? But we lose sight on no. We need to keep the structure. We can't get so confident in ourselves that we create a false sense of security thinking, I'm good. You know why? Because the Bible says the devil is like a lion hiding in the high weeds waiting to jump on you. And when does he come out and get you? When does the lion jump out after its prey? When they're sitting there in the wide open and they think, I got this. I'm safe. I'm okay. It's in those moments when the predator attacks, when we let our guards down. We can't live a life of false sense of security when life is good and we think, I got this. I'm okay. Because one day that storm will come and soon we'll realize, I don't got this. I don't got this at all. And our ability to stand, for, stand firm through the storm comes through our foundation. Living out those biblical principles, following, not following my feelings or the voices around me. And as we try to navigate this world on our own standards, we eventually find ourselves just drifting more and more into bad habits. Bad habits just happen naturally. 
We all are creatures of habits. And if you're not focused on what habit you're developing, you'll quickly learn you've developed some bad habits in your life. And to put God's word into practice involves the development of new habits and what that may look like in my life and how am I living this out? How am I practicing his principles? Developing habits involves focus and discipline. Earlier on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said these words in verses 13 to 14 of Matthew 7. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate for the wide gate is broad. I'm sorry, for, the wide is, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But, the small, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. What Jesus is saying here is the broad road that leads to the wide gate it's the popular choice. It's where the crowd is going. It's where everybody's following. It's, it's, it's where it's easier to get to. But it leads to destruction. And what Jesus is highlighting is the narrow gate is the road less traveled. It's not where the popular place is going. It's not where the crowd is generally wandering to. And few travel this road because quite honestly, we tend to struggle at seeing the value of it. It just seems like this way is so much easier. It seems like it seems so right. Why? Because it matches what I think is right, what all the other voices are saying or what my heart is telling me. And then we look at the narrow gate and the narrow path and Jesus' principles, and we just think, why, why should I go that way? I mean, it doesn't look as fabulous. It doesn't look as easy. And then we start to manipulate our thinking that, is heaven really everything it's cracked up to be? I mean, is it really out there? Is hell really that bad? Maybe this is hell. Maybe, maybe this is hell, and this is what we're experiencing, and then, and then we'll be all good after that. And then we begin to mid- manipulate in our mind what is truth in order to, and Satan's working to devalue the reality of the future. And he does it so, manipul- in a, such a manipulative way. And Jesus is saying, we need to walk as wise, put his words into action, and experience all the value that he has to offer us. Not just in eternity, but we can begin to experience eternity now. You see, my friends, we cannot compromise our commitment to Jesus by pursuing, the, by pursuing the popular path of least resistance. Don't fall into that trap. It's so easy to be manipulated away and to be deceived away, but don't fall into that trap. There's so much greater value in Jesus' path because the problem is if we don't take time to develop the right habits in our life to not just hear God's word, but to put it into practice, deception is all around us. It's all around us. Every single day, every moment we have, we're surrounded by voices of deception if we're not careful. And spiritual and emotional disorientation can overwhelm us just like that. The same with a pilot flying in the air. I mean, not to scare you or to freak you out, but I mean, just look what's going on in our world. With Google algorithms, everything we do online, and now everywhere we're tracked with our phones and devices, 
we're being tracked. Why? So that we can be manipulated and deceived to buy products, to make choices based upon uh, what the world is trying to sell us. The, the, the goal of marketing is what? To plaster their product all over the place so that we can see it everywhere and it's constantly on our mind and in our brain. Why? So that whenever we think of, I'm hungry, let's go there. I'm thirsty, let's get that drink. We constantly think, I need that. And they make it appear so good that we think, I can't live without it. I need that. I need to spend another $1,000 on the next iPhone because what do they do? Well, they added one more little small feature that quite honestly means nothing. But I have to get it because it's everywhere. Right? And they manipulate that way. And bo- in both situations, they're trying to get us to buy, to click. And they're trying to get us to, to buy their product. Why? Not for our own profit, but for their gain. They want something from us. And it usually comes, by the way, of money. They want us to buy their product. And Jesus put it this way in Matthew 7, verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Ferocious wolves. Have you watched Natural, Natural Geographic? I love watching the, the animals out in the wilderness, the predators specifically. And wolves are very smart and cunning predators. They come after you. They sneak upon you. They make you think everything's good and they just come out of nowhere and go after you. Why? To satisfy their own appetite. They are hungry and you are food. That's the goal. And these wolves that Jesus is talking about make the appearance of everything looking good. He says they're dressed in sheep's clothing. They come out to you and say, hey, this is good. This is fine. In fact, when you go back to the, in the Garden of Eden, that was Satan's tactic with Eve. Hey, that fruit looks really good. I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, God's holding out on you. Just enjoy it. Doesn't look so good. I'm here to help you out. And that's how the manipulation starts and takes over and controls us. And everyone has their own priorities. Every voice we hear has their own priorities, driven by the appetites of their own heart. And here's the struggle. They want their priorities to become your agenda. And we are bombarded with voices. That's not out what's best for me or for you. They're out there. Why? Because they want you to make an agenda of your life what they feel is the most important thing. It's like going to the fast food restaurant. They're marketing. I mean, you go there and you look at the pictures and you think, wow, that burger is the most amazing burger I've ever seen in my whole life. I mean, it's juicy. It's plump. It's like five feet tall. This thing is amazing. Give me that burger. And then when you get it, what happens? It's this greasy, smashed up mess. And you think, what in the world is this? I want that picture burger. I don't want this thing. You know, and they trick us and they get us to what they sell. I mean, you go to Soda Pop. You look at Pepsi or Coca-Cola or Mountain Dew or energy, energy drinks. And you know what they've learned? They've learned to do all their marketing towards kids. 
Why? Because their studies have revealed that if they can get you hooked by the age 13, they have a loyal partner for life. You don't believe me? Let's just go around today, Coke or Pepsi, and you'll see the arguments happen. Right? Because they've learned if we can target these kids and we get them to think that this is the bomb diggity, by age 13, we've got a loyal consumer. We've got them. And they develop these habits. And we do it every day of our life. We develop habits that we don't even realize. And before you know it, the more the voices get louder and stronger and they develop habits in our life, it impacts our behaviors. So what are the motives of the voices around us? To, to make a difference in the world? To make your life better? No. Their ambition is to lock you in on whatever they think is their priority. And make no mistake, their manipulation consumes our heart and controls our behaviors every day. You see, our behaviors reveal what's really in our heart. That's what Jesus says. We can't hide the reality of our heart. Why? Because we live it out every day. What you say, how you treat people, your attitude, the choices you make reveal your heart. Jesus says in Luke 6, what is in your heart comes out of you, comes out of your mouth. In Matthew 7, verses 16 through 17, Jesus says this, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. My friends, this world is full of voices just bombarding us every single day. False teachers with deceptive hollow claims with constantly making attempts to make their priority our agenda. And the more we struggle in the ricochet of all the voices, we need to find the anchor of what is truth to navigate through all this. Just because something looks good does not mean it's good. Are the voices pointing you towards Jesus or pushing you away? They'll either walk with the intentions of pursuing righteousness or pursuing themselves. And Jesus says, by their fruit, they will be revealed. A lot of voices sound really good, but as you hang out with those voices, we quickly see, wait, you're not, you don't care about me. You're not helping me seek Jesus. What are you doing? Don't allow those unhealthy voices that lead us astray to overwhelm us. We are called to see the inconsistencies and follow Jesus. Our spiritual welfare depends on that, depends on our ability to critically assess based upon the anchor of truth of the world around us. This is so important because of our eternity is at stake. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I don't know about you, but these words of Jesus really causes me just to stop and ponder my life. You know, when that day comes, when I meet him face to face, I don't want to be there and him saying, I never knew you. I mean, you lived in this world for yourself, and you ran after your own heart all the time. I never knew you. I don't want that to happen. And please know, this is not perfection. Jesus is not saying, I, I live to live a perfect life and then I'll be there. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, in the normalcy of our life, what do we pursue? Do we pursue righteousness or do we pursue our own self? Do we follow all the voices of the world to try to be smart or do we try to walk wise? Hearing God's word, applying God's word so that we can live wisely in our life. See, God's will for us that we talked about at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount series. The very first thing that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount is God's will. And God's will for us is to pursue righteousness. Everything throughout the Sermon on the Mount was, be, was on the framework of that heart. Our ambition, our goal, our focus in life is to pursue righteousness. To be right before God. This is not perfection. But this is about when I do mess up, am I getting back up and dusting off my feet and making the next right choice to run towards Jesus? Or do I get back up and continue to run towards myself and what I want? This is developed in your heart. And it becomes the normalcy of your life. When we pursue righteousness... We experience his eternal rewards. Not just in the future, but now. So what are you doing? Are you just merely hearing the word of God and forgetting about it? Are you hearing it and figuring out what can I take from this message? What can I take from my time and my daily encounter with Jesus to apply to my life to live out today? So that I'm not just trying to be a person who's smart, fat on all the knowledge. But I become a person who tries to live out what I know based upon what God's telling me. Because in that walk, you will find wisdom. You will find strength. And when the storms come, you won't be easily disoriented. Why? Because God's guiding you. Not yourself. So to pursue righteousness, you have one of three steps today. I believe every one of you probably is, falls in one of the th these three categories. And I'm challenging you to think today, what do I need to do? Some of you need to make Jesus a priority in your life. Quite honestly, you've been living your life your way. You want Jesus to bless you and to do good to you, but you want him to come through on your terms. But Jesus says no. Deny yourself and follow me. Walk with me. Become more like me. Is Jesus a priority in your life?
Do you hang out with him? Maybe some of you need to recommit your life today. You've given your life to Jesus, but quite honestly, you've kind of drifted away. If that's you, maybe today's the day that you need to recommit yourself. Just give it back to God and make the commitment today, I'm gonna walk with you every day. Maybe some of you have never given your life to Jesus and you've never experienced what that is in your life. You still live your life based upon the identity of who you think you are versus who God created you to be through his death, burial, and his resurrection. Maybe today you need to make the decision to give your life to him. Maybe you've never been baptized. And maybe today's that day that you need to take that step to experience God and his love for you, to find your, your identity through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And say, this day is a new day. Because I'm now walking with him. Do you need to make a decision for Christ? If that's you, stop by the Engage Impact booth at the, at the back. And we'd love to talk to you. We had four baptisms last week. We have another one today. And if, you're, if you feel God's calling you to take that step, come join us. We'd love to help you take that step. And experience God's goodness in your life. Some of you guys... You're living with Jesus and walking with Jesus, but having a daily encounter with Jesus is kind of like a hit and miss thing in your life. Maybe you need to make the effort that, you know what? I need a calendar every day. Make the effort to be with Jesus, to read his word, to maybe talk to, to, talk to him, to process what this means for me, and just to listen to him. Maybe some of you, you do it as an individual, but quite honestly, you're not doing family devotions. And maybe this week is the week to start. You know what? We're going to make the effort each day as a family to read the Bible or read a devotion and pray together. If you need help in taking that step, let us know. We'd love to help you take those steps. But also the most important thing, one of, or one of the most important things is who we surround ourselves with. Community is important. God created us as relational beings. We need relationships in our life. And we either surround ourselves with relationships that pull us away from God or relationships that help us to pursue him. Are you in a growth group? Growth groups here at Impact are truly vital. They're the smaller families within the larger family. They're a place where you can journey with other people, get into God's word, Walk with others. Have others hold you accountable as you hold them accountable to pray with each other and as a family that's there for you when life is good and when those storms come. I'm encouraging, if you're not in a group, get in a group. In fact, right after service at our table in the back of the auditorium, stop there. They can help you find a group that, that works for you, your schedule, your, your family situation, whatever it may be. We have group for you. If you're not in a group, don't leave today without getting in a group because we need each other. That's what God did for us. God developed a community for us to be together. And ultimately he did that, why? So we can pursue righteousness. Every week we gather together for communion. And communion is that opportunity for us to just pause in all the busyness of life everything that's going on around us. To pause with all the voices that seem to control us and to consume us. And just give it all to Jesus. 
Communion is so important because it's an opportunity for us to remember the sacrifice that he gave to us. The bread that represents his body and the juice that represents his blood. Because as we look at this cross, may we not forget what the Bible says that we were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. And God values you so much that he paid the most costly price of his son in the most gruesome death. So when you look at the cross, may you never forget how valuable you are, how much you matter, because the son of the living God died for you. Don't forget that. That's what the cross means. He died to give us freedom. And then three days later, he walked out of that tomb, defeating death to give us purpose in life. And in this moment, as we remember his sacrifice and remember his victory over death, may you realize how valuable you are and may you recommit yourself to him that every day you may walk in the purpose that he ordained you for. Walk with him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you because you are good. And Lord, in this moment, I know in this room or those who are online, I'm sure there's many people in this moment that just feel so devalued, so beat up from this world. We just have all these voices that are just consuming us, controlling us, and causing us to be a ricochet effect all over the place. But Lord, right now, just may we find our anchor in you. Lord, for those that need to give their life to you or recommit, I pray that your spirit just works in their hearts and help them to take that step. For those that need to make a daily encounter, whether it's as an individual or family devotion time, Lord, encourage them to make that happen this week. For those that are trying to walk this journey of faith by themselves, I pray that today they may get in a group, that they can experience a true biblical community that they find encouragement and strength. And through it all, may we look at the cross. And as we look at the cross, may we realize that we were bought with a price. We are significantly valued by you. And you walked out of that tomb to give us purpose. And Lord, as we take this time to pause from the craziness of this world, may we see how valuable we are because of you. And may we find our purpose in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.